So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to On The Continent, your definitive guide to the week. In European football, I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On this edition... What does Juventus do now? After a 10-point deduction, how much life is there for Juve next season? Also, what does Spain do now? After Vinicius Jr. is once again the target for racial abuse, can La Liga be trusted to tackle its race problem? And we're talking the thriller in the Bundesliga. After winning 10 titles in a row this season, it's out of Bayern's hands. But will they still win it? Andy, uh, David, it's been a lot happening this week. And obviously, we can't fit every single thing that's happened into our weekly podcast. But is there perhaps one thing that we should be talking about that we don't have room for today, David? Yeah, um, I think what happened yesterday, last 24 hours um, at PSV um, with Ruud van Nistelrooy. Um, incredible season for them. Won two out of the three major cups in, uh, in the Netherlands. Um, but it's all unraveled. It's all exploded. It's it, it, it's just completely gone off there. Um, and this is Ruud van Nistelrooy, the coach, obviously. Yes, this is van Nistelrooy, the coach, uh, who, you know, who's God, he's looked fantastic. When you look at everything, the circumstances of everything, I think what he's had to deal with there at PSV, um, he's had a lot of his uh, key players taken away from him, um, you know, last summer, January as well, Gakpo, Madawike, both going as well, two key attacking players, but they still soldiered on. Two out of three cups, some brilliant celebrations there, of course, if you've seen the videos of, uh, of Rude's uh, dancing. But yeah, it all came to the boil and got a bit serious. Um, so apparently Tuesday night, um, Tuesday, Vanish Leroy, there's been a feeling in the, for a while at the PSV camp, there's a bit of a, there's, there's some cliques in the dressing room. And Vanish Leroy apparently felt there was a bit of a, a coup underway in the, in the dressing room. Love that word, of course, when it comes to football terms. Um, so he's gone to to Ernest Stewart, um, who Eddie Stewart, you know, everybody knows, of course, uh, from his time in England as well, American, who's running things at PSV. Vanessa Roy has a chat with him um, just about where things are going. He's, he's not happy. He's feeling uncomfortable. Has that chat, comes away. He's like, I'm not happy with this. I'm not, I'm not reassured here. So they get the big man in, Marcel Brantz, who Everton fans will know uh, very well, mainly for the wrong reasons, I think. Um, they have all have a meeting. Van Nistelrooy's looking at it and thinking, okay, okay. Next day, Stuart and Brands are thinking, oh, everything's fine, we'll, we'll move on. The next day, Van Nistelrooy gets in the dressing room. He tells the players that he's leaving. He's, he's going, he's had, he's had enough. This comes out the blue, obviously, to, to, to Brands and Stuart, who are, who are kind of like, Where is it? Where, where, where's this come from? I thought everything was okay. Um, and then the ripple effect in the dressing room. So you've got, you know, if you look at it, it's one of those things where there's only certain players who have come out and wished him well and saying thank you to Van Nistelrooy as well. Um, and then there's reports now of, you know, one of those players, Sangaria, who apparently stormed out the dressing room, went into the car park, gets in his car, locked himself in the car, refuses to, to leave. He has to be, you know, has to be taken back out the car to, you know, come in the dressing room and let's, let's, let's handle this, let's deal with this. And yeah, what, on the outset, it looks like a successful season with two of the three major trophies has gone up in smoke and now they're officially in crisis mode. But 
looking at the news the past couple of hours before we started recording about Arnie Slot. I wonder if he's assessed this and thought, oh, I'm going to have one more year. I might be able to fill my boots here if I am not. <laughs> might we not do a little travel and then I'll go after the Premier League next season. This is the very definition of a, a coup, I would have thought, in yeah. any case. Andy, do you want to add to that or do you have something else that we haven't picked up on perhaps? You uh, want to I about? want to talk about the joyousness of uh, winning trophies. Yeah, when, yeah. when Winning trophies is a good thing. Um, Inter winning the Coppa Italia on Wednesday night against uh, Fiorentina. Of course, both European finalists as well. And it was a great final. Really, really good final um, between two good teams and um, the better one obviously won Lautaro Martinez is um, in good form at the moment and scored two very valuable goals just scored a very valuable goal in the second leg of the Champions League semi against um, against uh, Milan so this season where Inter have been very very erratic in the league looks like it's ending pretty well um, they're looking pretty good to finish in the top four. They've won the Coppa Italia. They've got the Champions League final to look forward to where really they're playing with house money because no one expected them to to, to get that far and City are ultra favourites, obviously. I'm interested to see how Fiorentina come back from this as well in the Conference League final against West Ham because uh, Daniele Prado, the sporting director of Fiorentina, was saying to Luka Jovic, because Jovic, formerly of Real Madrid, of course, missed a couple of very good chances, one absolute sitter near the end to, to get an equaliser. And he said, don't worry about it. You're going to score the winner in the Conference League final. <laughs> so let's see what happens. We'll wait and see. Now let's stay with Italy for the first of our topics uh, today. <laughs> Juventus, you couldn't make this one up. Uh, they've been deducted 10 points. They've had it reinstated now, sorry, they've been deducted 15 points initially. They have had that reinstated and now they've been deducted 10 points again at the business side of the season and all. You couldn't make it up, could you, Andy? Uh, no, and um, more than one person outside Juventus as well as inside Juventus has um, pointed out that this is, you know, it's, it's, it's deeply affected the sporting competition. Before we get on to the um, effects on Juventus, I mean, Juventus started uh, Monday firmly ensconced in the top four. Then they get the 10 points taken off, which drops them to seventh. Then they get absolutely hammered at Empoli while they're still under a, a bit I'm, of a cloud. I'm glad you put it in that order. They got the 10 points taken off just minutes before they're about to play Empoli. Yes, because you had two games that, um, because of the Europa League, were put back to the, the, the Monday. So Roma played Salernitana. And um, in the early game on Monday night, and uh, Juventus uh, went to Empoli for the later game. Now Roma, as as they've done a little bit recently, a lot of changes looked a little bit weary. Came from behind twice to draw against Salernitana. And Mourinho spoke about it afterwards, and he said the way that it's been handled is is a joke because he said if you look at some of our previous games that they played after European games, like when they went to Bologna when they went to Monza, he said, we would have picked a team and we would have approached it differently if we'd have thought we were still in with a chance of making the top four. But they've put all their eggs in the Europa League basket. And and I know a lot of people look at this and say, it's a, it's a Mourinho excuse. But he has got a point here, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, you do. I mean, it's what every manager does. They'll, they'll look at it and say, right, we can maybe put this one in the can. You know, the league's maybe gone. You know, there's not really much we can do there. Keep playing, of course. Let's try and win games. But look, I'm, I'm going to rotate here. It's the right time to do it and the right chance to do it. So yeah, he's absolutely got a point. Um, my only issue is I'm not too sure when you do do it. 
you know, like when you when you do, you know, hit them with that point and say, points deduction and say that that's it. It's it's been one of those ongoing things, hasn't it? I suppose I suppose the argument would be you let the the, the case reach its natural conclusion and do it at the end of the season. Well, it's right, one of okay. those cases but, uh, that it's, it's, doesn't have a natural conclusion, does it? No, no. I, I suppose you could say that as there well. There are so many facets to but it. Then, but then Juve are gonna also going to say, like, look, oh, we, we were just waiting until the end of the season. We were just playing to win. We were just we thought we'd had this. Well, so what, we tried Juve, what Juve have actually said so every... <laughs> is that, look, the rules need to be made more clear. You know, the, the rules as they are aren't transparent enough or clear enough for people to be able to decide, design their season or whatever it might be. Yeah. Do they have a point? Um, in terms of them breaking the rules that have been found guilty of doing, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't think they do have a point. The reason they've been um, punished is because it's, it's not a mistake. It's systematic abuse of, yeah. of, of 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 the rules over a number of years. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't think this is an end point for it at all. I think this is a start, and I think there will be other clubs, as we've discussed before in Serie A, that are a little twitchy about certain items that they may or may not have been up to. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, because remember, a, a load of clubs were investigated going back to last year. Juventus were originally found not guilty, just to, 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 to recap, along with all the other clubs, before a federal wiretap brought up new evidence which led to this case. Um, and and this was about transfer dealings, wasn't it? This specific aspect of the case. Yeah, um, it was, it's, it's um, known as the Plus Valenza case. So um, artificially inflating the value of players to put more on your balance sheet than is, is, is really there. And um, the, the wiretap added, added evidence to this. But th- this is a huge turning point for Juventus because obviously they're, they're not going to make the Champions League now. It puts their own Europa League semi-final defeat to Sevilla in even sharper relief, and they were pretty good in the second leg of that. By by the way, they were a little unfortunate to lose, even even though Sevilla were by far the better team in the in the first leg and didn't win. Um, you, you know, we we were always asking, we were asking a couple of months back, weren't we? Who needs the Europa League more, Juventus or Roma? not just in terms of the trophy, but in terms of the access that it provides to the Champions League. Now, the thing is, David, this isn't an end point for Juventus. I mean, we we could talk about the the short-term ramifications of can they keep players? How does this affect them financially? And Italian media estimates are having them losing about potentially 90 million euros from not making the Champions League. I mean, it's it's, it's an enormous amount of money. But... There's more. There's 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 more um, legal action against Juventus to come, and of course UEFA are keeping an eye on it. And that, they might ban them from Europe altogether, right? Yeah, honestly. And I tell you what, somebody gave me a little line, and, and I thought this summed up really well. It's never only Juve, but it's always Juve. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it funny? Yes, yeah, good one. I'll leave that one there. Well, the, thank you for leaving it <laughs> there, so that we don't end up in any courts or anything. But what are the long-term consequences of this? The short-term consequences, you might look at that game against Empoli and think, well, that was the immediate consequence of it. Well, restructuring the team is going to be bloody difficult, isn't it? Sure, I was thinking the players' minds might not be on their jobs. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. I I mean, we've said how it's affected uh, Roma 
maybe Atalanta, other teams that um, could have been in with with a chance of uh, qualifying for the, the the Champions League via the top four um, when the points were reinstated. But I think for Massimiliano Allegri, whatever you think of Juventus, for them to be able to keep their minds on the job while they, they genuinely don't know how many points they're playing with, it's, 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 really, diffi- it's, mm. it's, it's, it's really difficult. And I think there are spells when... Juventus have definitely been the second best team in the league this season, uh, and you know that's that's more or less where they'd be if 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 you added the, the the points back on. So it has been difficult. On the other hand, there are a lot of other layers to this because if they don't make the Champions League, I mean they're going to have to make some sales. The, the 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 big one you look at is Dusan Vlaovic, and I personally think them selling Vlaovic would be probably the best for him and for them because he's an asset that they can make a lot of money out of. The, the thick end of that money they will be losing in the Champions League, they can make back by selling Vlaovic. I think from his perspective, I mean, it seems he's very unhappy about um, his role there. He's been unhappy um, about working with Max Allegri, it seems. that they, they, they haven't got on brilliantly. They don't have a similar vision of football, it seems. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I was, I was saying to someone the other day if you look at now I know Tottenham have had a difficult end to the season but when you go back a year and a half or nearly a year and a half and they sign Dejan Kulusevski and Rodrigo Bentancur two players who are ballast at Juventus they're talents that are treading water they aren't getting anywhere I think it's very interesting and I think players like Vlaovic and um, Federico Chiesa must be looking at this and thinking Juventus aren't very good at developing players anymore, are they? They're not good at helping talents get to the next level. Am I wasting my time here? Can I put myself in a better place to become a better player? Like Kulusevski and Bentancur definitely have in the Premier League, by the way, by going somewhere else. What's the constant there, though, at Juventus? Like, what's what's stopped Bentancur progressing, Kulusevski progressing, and what's stopping Kisa and Blavich? San Allegri. Yeah. And... That's the big, big problem that Juve seem they seem to want to address the players who are not working. Mm. They don't want to seem to address the coach that isn't working. Well, the real question is, can they afford to sack him? That's that's the big issue. But that's the hole that they've got. Look, they Juventus mm. have got themselves into a lot of holes. I yeah. think Allegri is definitely one of them. And we We're had bringing ex- him back. Yeah, and yeah. we had the same discussion last summer on this podcast. I remember about Allegri, and I said they need to break away from him because they, if they don't break away now. It's going to set the club back even further. And here we are once again. Even if they qualified for the Champions League, again, it's just a, your classic papering over the cracks. I think Juventus need a bit of foresight here. And I think they mm. need, this is a potential silver lining, hard reset moment for them. Get rid of Allegri, like if they can't find the money to do that, mm. and go forward with the young players. Because they've got, there's a talented young core of players there. They need to change the outlook of the club. They need to change that perspective, what you've just brought up, of a player looking at it and say, ah, this is not a club that I can develop at. Mm. They need to change that. Juventus yeah. need to, especially if your club what's going to be without having a lot of money through Champions League and what have you as well. You need to change the course, you know, the way the direction the club's going and, and move it towards young players. How do you think it would be different if they'd have thrown the bag at De Serbi going back a couple of years? <sighs> Good question. Yeah, it is. It's a really good question. It is. It's a good question. I mean, I, I know they got kind of burnt with Sarri, didn't they? Because they yeah. brought in someone to change the style of play. Yeah. And it, it didn't really work out. I, I suppose it's kind of anachronistic, the fact that 
you, you want to change the quality of the football, you or, or you you want to change the way you develop players. You have to get in that sort of coach, and you have to give them time. So it's like Chelsea bringing in Graham Potter, isn't it? Maybe you've got the right coach yeah. to build that sort of project, but is the pressure that's contingent with a club of that size actually preventing you from from doing that, from allowing it to play out how it should? Exactly. Yeah. No. No. I think. Look. I think. I think Deserby would have even struggled. Deserby would have been out because I mean I don't know how much I don't know how much investment or desire there was behind the scenes to completely change the course of the club. Wait. Wait. Clearly, they're not much. They were. They were happy to just go along with Allegri, this steady ship, as as it were, with him. They know what they're getting with Allegri. They didn't know what they were going to get with Deserbi. It might go all wrong. Mm. But sometimes you just got to take that calculated risk. Brighton took that risk, and look at them right now. You could argue that Deserbi took that risk, and look at him right now. Yeah. It wasn't the first time or the second or the third. Racism is normal in La Liga, says Vinicius Junior, after another uh, racially abusive experience of his in La Liga, in their defeat at Valencia on Sunday. David, I'm loath to ask why always Vinicius Junior. That's controversial. Just leave that to one side for a moment. We'll come back to that in a moment. But why always La Liga at this time? Because there's a massive problem that hasn't been addressed for a number of years. And it's going back a long, long, long time. Like a hell of a long time we're talking about here. It's never truly addressed. Um, it's just, it's, it's taken lightly. It's calling somebody, giving somebody a racist insult is seen as the same as calling them a, a, an idiot or a clown. It's, very casually just, just battered away. And that's within Spanish society or just specifically with regards to football? I think you can say it's societal, yeah. aren't you? Because it's it's easier to not treat it seriously if you don't have a black neighbour or a black friend mm. that you have to look in the eye afterwards. It's been too easy to, to put it to one side. And, you know, we, we realise that football is not responsible for all of society's ills on the other hand football is extremely visible all over the world and it can help to set an example of acceptable behavior and unfortunately they've just let it drift and drift and drift now the particular thing with Vinicius here is the level of victim blaming that was happening initially when this incident happened um was something I felt was extraordinary, even for a situation in, in, in La Liga. Because, just to quickly recap what, what, what happened, um, uh, they, they were, Real Madrid had an attacking free kick in front of the Mario Kempes stand, the one that's been now shut for five games, which Valencia are protesting about, yeah, by, by, yeah. By, by the way. Um, and um, Vinicius saw a couple of people abusing him and he went up to them, identified them to the referee and he said, it was you, it was you. He, you saw him point, pointing at them. Um, the referee um, started the um, anti-racism protocol. He went and he spoke to Vinicius. He spoke to a, a very animated Carlo Ancelotti and we know how close Ancelotti and Vinicius are. We know the trust 
between them. Um, ask Vinicius if he wanted to Father carry on. Father and son kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, is, it is that kind of ballpark, exactly. And if you're the dad, you're not going to sit by. Yeah, you're, you're not. And Ancelotti has been really, really brilliant. Unbelievable, this. yeah. Uh, Even straight actually. in that post-game interview, he was excellent as well. And he said, like, look, we're not talking about the football. Yeah. Because that's the easy thing to do. Oh, it's like, let's talk about football. Let's, let's not focus on the bad guys. No, sometimes you need to focus on the bad guys and you need to address it. Exactly. But I, th- I think the, the, the problem has been, and so much of the discussion, particularly actually in the Valencian um, sports media afterwards, was, well, uh, he's a provocador. He's, he provokes. It's, it's just ridiculous. I, I don't think... But what's there's your no, argument? There's no, there's, How, in which way like, are they because, suggesting he because, um Because he sledges opponents. Because he dances in front of the crowd when he scores. And by the way, he dances in front of the crowd more and more in response to this. Yeah. Like it's chicken and egg and one came first, you know? So, he's not a bad dancer, to be fair. Oh, but I, I think it's, it's interesting that already this was at such a level that, you know, people made a massive deal of um, Brazil dancing when they scored <coughs> during, during the World Cup. And um, uh, some people thought it was over the top. It was a continuation of what they'd done to show solidarity with Vinicius from previous incidents. This has been happening for so long. And the idea that what the whole world needs to work on, what actually what Spanish society needs to work on and what particularly Valencia, Valencia sympathisers and the media around Valencia who've sought to defend their club against the indefensible. They flipped really. it under that. They tried flipping it under them. They tried to make it about yes. them. You know, the, their indignation is saying like, oh, like, you know, it's not just us. It's only a small element. It's all these. There's lots of excuses. And, and they're in relegation battle as well. So the fact that their stadium is going to be partially closed during those games is massive. So that's the other layer to this as well. This couldn't come at a worse time for them. But it's the fact, again, it, it's indicative of... Spain, of Spanish society, the reactions to this. Tebas's reaction on Twitter, which was disgusting. is outrageous. Yeah. The, the way he spoke to the victim of the crime, he was saying, Vinicius, if you paid attention to what we were doing, well, <laughs> I think it's obvious that whatever you're doing, it's not enough. Yeah. But like telling him off, lecturing him, it's just outrageous. And he's apologised as well. So he knows he's wrong. But that there is a microcosm of exactly what's wrong here in Spain. That, you know, you become very defensive of your ways and what you're doing. Tebas didn't like what Vinicius did on the pitch. And yes, he since apologised. Yes, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't really care that he's apologised. The fact that that was his first reaction to do that. A young kid had just been racially abused. He welling up in tears as well. There's a camera shot as well where he's welling up in tears. And the fact that that was the first reaction, it summed up everything. And... There's a big part of Spain that is like that as well. Spain is very troubled on 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 that level. Do you know when um, Andy mentioned a moment ago brought in the Brazilian national team? This has become an issue that is cross Atlantic, isn't it? Transatlantic yeah. now because the Brazilian president has weighed in on this, and the issue has been whether Spain itself is a racist country or not. Yeah, but you want to know what one of the main media members in terms of football media in Spain has done? They've gone, oh wait, Brazil can't talk. They've got racist problems as well. So that there you go, another terrible reaction to this. But the Spanish do get like this. Look, I've lived out there a while. I lived in Valencia for a while. I lived in Barcelona for a while. So I've been about, I've heard different things and you see different things and you, you really, really take in society there. And what I've always noticed is 
They're incredibly defensive to the point of being ignorant about some of their ways. Not just with racism as well, but even when you talk about something, say, uh, bullfighting, for instance, as well. There's always... I was thinking about that. Yeah, there's always a line I was always told, our culture, our country. Yeah. Hey, don't criticise us. You've got your problems. You can't criticise us. You've got your own problems. No, the world doesn't work like that. You are allowed to criticise. No, the world doesn't. The world doesn't work like this when you're, you're trying to sell a global product. You, you know, the, the the thing is, when something like this happens, thanks to Twitter, Instagram, etc., there is no hiding place for them. It's round the world before you know it, and that's why they've had to take this action of uh, closing the Mario Kempes stand behind the goal for five games, of fining Valencia, of arresting. Um, these the, these people involved in the in, in the racist and these, abuse are, these are young people as well so that's a key thing to remember as well I, th- I think that, that that's, yeah, that's quite me. troubling isn't yeah. it yeah. so yeah. people think oh it's like they're the older generations you know they don't get it they're a bit ignorant they don't really get it you know and everything like that no these are teenagers and, and 21 22 year old lads as well this is a younger generation this is not just some old ignorant guy and everything like that oh I long for the old days you know and it was like this no these are young people can La Liga sort it out without government intervention for example yeah they can yeah. They can. They've got the power to. What do they need to do? <laughs> they need... they're, they're doing it this week. Yeah. Because finally, the world is saying, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. I think Vinicius is, 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 is fascinating, really, because he's someone who has... He, he's become the magnet for this because he's so good at responding to it with, with dignity with pride, with strength, more than any 22-year-old should have to show. I mean, he should just be able to live his life and play football. He, he shouldn't have to be this strong. But the way he has responded, both, I think, on the pitch and in terms of, you look at his statements that he's given, unfortunately, after several of these incidents, not after just this one, he's so eloquent, he's so thoughtful, the way he's dealt with the pressure. And Sunday was the point at which for him, it became too much. And he thought, why, why am I putting myself through this? Nothing is worth this. And of course, Real Madrid lost that match. Any connection? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, Valencia fighting for their lives. Yeah, they, I, mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's we, we have to say, the red card that he got um, for, 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 the, for the melee later, yeah, it's, it's, it's been rescinded. So, as you were asking before, La Liga can deal with this. And now they're finally showing a bit of will because they've kind of been shamed into it. Well, that's sad. That's sad as well, though. They had to be shamed into it. They had to be pressured around the world to do something. No, just do something anywhere. Well, they need to stop cocking things up when it's live and direct because Vinicius should have been on that pitch. He should have been on the pitch. It's okay to rescind the red card, but you shouldn't have given it to him in the first place. Yeah. And I, th- I think it was interesting to see um, in all the midweek Spanish games, uh, there were the, the, all, the, all the teams um, that came out, the two teams together were carrying a big banner uh, saying uh, racists out of football. All the Real Madrid players were wearing Vinicius shirts before kickoff in their game against Real Vallecano. So for once, they're not actually able to to brush it under the carpet. Yeah. It does have that feeling of tipping point. It feels for me as if we've been here in the English leagues as well. We've been here before. When we talked about football not being responsible for everything that society is, this is exactly where it can be a leader because they have got... Let, let's, let's be just honest here. 
they've got a global product that they want to sell and that they want to protect. And this is forcing them to do something about it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Bayern Munich, hey, who would have thought uh, that they would be, uh, after winning 10 Bundesligas in a row, um, they wouldn't be ahead at this point. They're second, so it's not like the, the bottom has fallen out of the bucket, though, is it? I think it is. is like, it? Second means nothing to them. Really? Nothing. Yeah. This is a club that last wasn't champions in 2012. When was that? I was in short trousers. I remember, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say I didn't have any greys then, but that would be a lie. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the address to a good die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it always felt as if last weekend was going to be pivotal in the, the, the title race because Bayern went into the weekend a point ahead of, of, of Dortmund. Um, but their penultimate game was their hardest remaining one. Uh, they were at home to Leipzig. Bear in mind that for all those who thought that if Bayern did drop points against Leipzig, it would be a formality for Dortmund. Dortmund, and obviously with Bayern losing against Leipzig and Dortmund going away and winning at Augsburg, people thought the, the Dortmund bit was a formality. It really wasn't. Dortmund hadn't won away for two months. And um, they had those moments where, as our friend Archie Rintut put it, they had those few nerves after um, Sebastian Aller originally gave them the lead where they made Augsburg look like 2009 Barcelona for 15 minutes. It's quite right from Archie. But really, it's, all, all, the, all the talk this week in Germany has been about Bayern because, um, you know, they've lost... Um, leadership of the league um, now they have to go and win at Köln on Saturday and hope that Mainz miraculously do them some sort of favour when they go to Dortmund but but before Dortmund had even gone to Augsburg and won all the discussion was it doesn't matter who wins the league from there it doesn't matter if Bayern win the league or not there needs to be a massive clear out because this is not acceptable and obviously, from an English perspective, um, there'll be a lot of eyes on Thomas Tuchel, who has had a, a rough trot since he's arrived there. I think what has been clear, though, and I still think they made a massive, massive mistake in fire, firing Julian Nagelsmann, 
but because of that, all the pressure is not on Tuchel. The pressure is on the CEO, Oliver Kahn, and the sporting director, Hassan Salahamazic, as we've identified on a number of occasions this season. What we're seeing with Tuchel is he's inheriting all the problems that Nagelsmann inherited from the club. So poor squad building, poor transfers, lack of leaders in the dressing room. That's something that's been really dwelt upon. You know, where is where is your, well, Noyes injured at the moment, but where's your Lewandowski, your Thiago, your Alaba, your Boateng? Where are all well, those players? Are the clubs? <laughs> and it, 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 makes a, it makes a massive difference. And I think the players that they brought in, who they expected to replace those big figures, your Delicts uh, and such, haven't really stepped up to that level. They haven't really assimilated to that level of being a you know a massive figure at the club yet. In time, it might still happen. Yes, absolutely. But I think Andy's hit the key point here, and I remember we discussed it. I think I think we were on the podcast the day after um, it all happened. The, the fallout with Nagelsmann and, and, and Tuchel coming in. Yes, and we said straight away, look, there's inherent problems there at that club, at the very top, as mentioned. I mean, I think Oliver Kahn's leaving, isn't he? You know, there's there's been lots of reports of that 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 he's already decided to leave, or he, or he's been made to leave. Either way, uh, the General Assembly is uh, the supervisory board is having a meeting in the next couple of days. They call and, it the General uh, Assembly. If he uh, if he comes out of that still buying CEO, I will be shocked. Yeah. So there's that mm-hmm. at the top, and then also the players as well. I don't think they've got the right right attitude. And again, we brought this up as well, and it's clearly what Nagelsmann had problem, uh, problems with it. Tuchel's clearly found it out, found that as well. Well, we saw that in the Leipzig game, didn't we? I mean, they, they took the lead through a very, very good goal by Serge Gnabry. But then from the moment that Leipzig equalised, and obviously the equaliser is from Conrad Leimer, who's already signed for Bayern for next season. So, you know, it's the, the, the twist that everyone wanted. And a player that they probably could have done with in this game as it happened, because it was an extraordinary situation in which to concede a goal that is so undisciplined defensively. Remember that kip of them in the Champions League? I mean, the, the way they defended at Manchester City. It was embarrassing. I mean, you're not going to win a League One or League Two game no. like defending like that. It was, it was awful. And th- th- they've got a corner, they lose the ball, and all of a sudden Leipzig have got a four on one. And you're thinking, how is this possible when you've got the result you want? It should be what Bayern do to other teams. Yes. Or it isn't. They haven't got that, they've, they've lost their aura. I think certain big teams have a bit of an aura about them and they have to try and find it. Maybe not in the same way, but they still have to find it. And there was always an aura of our Bayern are coming. The aura is right, isn't it? Because once Leipzig equalised in this game, there's only one winner. You, do, you don't feel the reaction from, from Bayern. And a decent Bayern team say, right, we're not having this. Of course not. And, and you know, those they're players, gritty. Those players dig deep, even if they're not playing well. And there's, there's nowhere to dig. Yeah, there's there's not that well of, of of strength, which is a real concern for them. Have they and lost that aura? For, sorry to cut you, but have they lost that aura for good? I mean, not just the aura, but the whole sort of framework of the classic buying that you'd expect. Well, they are going to have to spend a lot of money to get this back on an even keel because there have been poor transfers, because there are not the sufficient characters in the squad. I reckon a couple of big ones go as, as as well. You know, they've lost faith in the idea of Kimmich and Goretzka leading them forward. It's, it's, it's felt that, you know, they could still be good players for Bayern, but they're not the leaders that they, they really need. What they're asking for is not cheap and not easy to do, I think. 
No, I completely agree. There's, they're one of several clubs who's going to have to do a lot of work on the transfer window. I tell you what, we've had a lot of questions about Bayern. Um, at Football Ramble, at Dotson, at Ibaya, at Andy Brassel, and at David Jacker, J-A-C-A. Uh, this is from Man 87 on Instagram. Declan Rice to Bayern. Can they afford him? As a West Ham fan, I'd rather he went there than Arsenal. I bet you would. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think they could afford him. The question is, would he go? Compared to other situations that he, he he might be about to 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 be offered, I mean, when we're, when we're talking about leadership and how it's going to be expensive, I, th- I think that's a that's a case in point. But they are aware that they're going to have to spend unbuyan like sums to you know if if you think the the biggest sums they've ever spent are Luca Hernandez, who I think when he comes back from injury he makes a difference, um, providing he gets back to his and previous form, uh, eighty mil. And then they spent 75 on De Ligt. Now, the next most expensive player they've ever bought is 40 million. So like with, with Bayern... They like Arsenal. They, they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't spend... They're a little bit more like Manchester City, I would say. They generally don't spend the sort of PSG-type levels on fees, but the wages are big. That's, that's the difference, really. And that, of course, is going to stymie them when they're trying to restructure the squad. When you are wanting to bin players, say they want to sell Serge Gnabry, where's the market for him? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't sell him to a Premier League club, you've got a problem. Because he, he and Zane, they're on enormous wages. Sadio Mane, if they want to get rid of him. I mean, he's, he's 31. He's earning a fortune. If you don't sell him back to the Premier League, how can you sell him? I was going to say everybody's waiting on that Premier League back. Like no matter what, mm. no matter what, even if you're a big, big club like Bayern, or yeah. if you know if you're a mid-level one and say in Ligue 1. So, but to answer the question, I think Declan Rice goes to Arsenal. But I'm going to put another name to Bayern. Like, you know, I'd really like them to sign Romeo Lavia. Okay. So Lavia has been on loan at Southampton um, this season. Um, I think he's been one of the most exciting young players in the Premier League this year. Um, there's talk of him potentially going to different Premier League clubs, but I'd like to see him do a bit of a Bellingham, um, go out there, get a bit of an education, I think, uh, the way another country approaches their football, and then come back in a few years. So we can see where David's going here, Dotton. He wants to rip it up and start all over again. Uli would not be happy with yeah. you. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to plaster over those gaps. He's got the polyfiller out. <laughs> I, I think it's it's interesting because... I don't think Tuchel is completely blameless in this. What has been the most remarkable thing about Tuchel since he's been at Bayern are his press conferences, really. Because he sits there and his catchphrase has almost been, I don't know, which is the most Bayernish thing to say ever. So uh, with this Leipzig game, for example, the fact that, as, as I put it in, in my Guardian column, Leipzig knocked on the door and it just tumbled off its hinges. You know, they didn't have to be amazing to, to win this game. And Tuchel was asked about that. Why was there no reaction from his team? And he's like, well, we worked on it in training all week. I don't know. He's like, you can't say I don't know that much. If you're Bayern coach, it's about being strong and alpha and showing you're the best and all that sort of stuff. So, it, it, look, he's a great coach. There's no doubt about it. But is he the right coach for this Bayern? at this time, when they've got a rebuild? So I guess all the things that they saw that he did at Chelsea, 
they thought he would do at Bayern. You know, to sort of re-galvanise this sort of disparate collection of talent. You know, give them discipline and strength and... You know, maybe it's just not there in this current squad. Well, we won't know the answer till we see what he does with his summer transfer budget. If it's about rebuild, is he the person to trust with a massive budget, David? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think he is, but I think they're going to because they can't possibly make another managerial change. I think they've put themselves in a bit of corner, so change everything behind him, above him. I don't think Carlin particularly, and maybe Salah Hamazic, who recently signed a new contract, I, I don't think they can survive. Agree. I, I don't understand how you go for the, for this long-term plan and then just have a, have, a, have a panic and, and, and chuck it in the bin. Mm. Because, as we said before, the long-term takes time. The problem is with a club where you have this much inherent pressure, how far can you dig in and, and, and let it go long term. So whereas whereas like I love David's idea, for example, it, it always can't happen at Bayern. You, you can't really totally rip it up and start again. You need to get some big names and attach meaning to them, really. Because it's, it's like with Tuchel. As they've made such an effort to get him, they can't shit can him now. On, because on, it makes them look ridiculous. On that note, this again on social media from Smug123, Will Tommy Tuchel ever manage a game without a cap on? Let's hope not. Let's hope not. What, have you seen what's underneath? <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. It's time to get a Game of the Week suggestion from both of you. Um, Andy, do you want to go first on that? Oh, well, we've got to follow up straight. Like, Come on, it's, it's got to be Dortmund versus Mainz. Dortmund have to get it done. This weekend they've got them. They've got themselves in a really good position. Do they have to win. Or uh, just yeah, draw. Well, it depends what Bayern do okay. uh, away at Köln. But um, yeah, Dortmund. If 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 they, they win, win. They, they 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 can't be they can't be stopped. I say, if you're going to watch this on Saturday afternoon, remember all the Bundesliga games that are on at the same time. So Köln versus Bayern is, is is happening at the same time. The amazing thing, actually, pick any game in the Bundesliga because there is something riding on every single game on the final day, be it European places, a lot going on at the bottom as well. Obviously, the Dortmund-Bayern thing is something everyone's talking about and everyone's really excited about. So don't just get currywurst for halftime. <laughs> get bockwurst for the beginning. Yes, yes. Make sure you have top quality sauerkraut ready. Yeah. Make sure you have freshly baked pretzels available. Make okay. sure okay. you okay. have everything because... Even though it may only be like two hours, a it's feast. It's going to be one heck of an afternoon. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and you're going to have to follow that somehow, David. Oh, I'm going to follow that with uh, with three games. Oh, don't know why. Okay, so Sunday six o'clock, uh, La Liga. Cast your eyes right down the table. You've got three games. So we've got uh, Cadiz versus Celta Vigo, Almeria versus Real Valladolid, and Valencia versus Espanyol. Oh yes. Relegation All Grand Slam. Big relegation Grand Slam. Everything is riding on this. Two games to go up. Penultimate game of the season, this one, this round. Yes. Um, it's a must tune in. So get your multi-screens out and uh, get, your, get your fried calamari as well and a nice little bit of garlic sauce while you're watching that. We've got, we've got Caddy in there. So, you know, it's, I've got the link there as well. So, so there we go. So, yeah, that's, that's what you should do on a Sunday. How's the calamari with your indigestion? 
Oh, all, all good, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just pretend, you, you pretend it doesn't exist, man. It's like people who are lactose intolerant with cheese. No, I'm, I'm going to eat right through it. <laughs> <laughs> Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.